Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Transfer Portal Podcast presented by No Contact CFB. And today we're going to be going over this last week in college football. Last week before rivalry week, we had a bunch of big games we're going to be talking about. I am your host for today, Andrew W., uh, alongside me, Josh, for the first time on the podcast. So you'll you'll be getting his debut. We also have Doug and Andrew D. So hope you all enjoy, and let's just get right into it. So Josh, how's it how's it going? I'm doing good, doing good. Uh, got the message like, hey, we uh, looking for a fourth co-host. And I was like, all right, I'll just do it. And so I'm here and I'm excited to be here. I've loved watching you guys and I'm glad to be a part of the team. So We're grateful to have you. you you've already released some great articles on the website, which you all should check out, transportalcfb.com. Uh, Andrew, Doug, how you doing? I'm doing good. Uh, my flight from Wisconsin literally just landed yesterday. Did go to the Wisconsin-Nebraska game. That was a lot of fun. Uh, did a lot of partying, to be honest with you, man. It's Now I kind of wish I would have paid the $30,000 and not a state tax to attend that university. It was, it was friggin' amazing. But I'm sure, obviously, I'm going to go a little bit more into it. So just know that I'm kind of still on a high right now. There you go, brother. As for me? I told you guys way back in the beginning, Oregon will lose to Utah. I told you earlier on this podcast, on written article, that this would happen. I told you that they will lose two games, and they did. And I am happy I am right. It's my biggest victory on this podcast so far. Other than that, Georgia played an FCS team. Not really much to say. FCS, we're not. Florida State, so um, we actually won pretty convincingly. And then the school I graduated from got smacked by Michigan. So, oh no, what I expected this weekend. Yeah, I mean, there's a reason your your Twitter is I only say facts. You you do only say facts. Amen. Uh, Until he yes. talks about food and all that, then Jesus Christ. Food we're takes on. Are amazing, bro. I had pineapple pizza just yesterday. Jesus now, Christ, see, can I, we just go on with this already? I mean, hold up, hold up. I, no, see, I don't see much of a problem with pineapple on pizza. My problem with Hawaiian pizza is ham because it just dries out. I so don't do quickly. ham, I don't know. Do that's ham. a good thing, though. Get, yeah, I do just pepperoni, spicy do pepperoni. Hawaiian because that, it works because it balances out the saltiness of the meat, it also balances the acidity, I mean, it balances the taste of the tomato. Creates a nice blend of a pizza. You're both pissing me off so much right now. I mean, for the record, I like pineapple and pizza, but I think I'm allergic to pineapple because the last time I had what? pineapple, my mouth was like itching for like three hours. So I might just have to cut it out of my life, unfortunately. Yeah, you might need to get that checked out, bro. Yeah, I, I would avoid pineapple if I were you. But uh, this is a college football podcast, so we'll we'll try and keep it online. But we also do love talking about food. Um, let, let's just jump right into it. Uh, the marquee game of the day, going into the day, at least not ending the day. Ohio State against Michigan State. First off, I, I just want to say this, college game day, you guys suck for not going to Missoula. Missoula that day was beautiful. Game was amazing. And looking back, no one cares about Ohio State, Michigan State. Michigan State got blown out. They were down 49 nothing at half. Mel Tucker yeah. gave his Heisman candidate running back, what, four carries in the first half? Like, Congrats. You're going away from what's working. You're you're going away from the reason that you were winning all these games 
I have no idea what the heck he was thinking. Maybe, I don't know, but whatever contract they were about to offer him, yeah, that, that thing got ripped up. I, I hope he signed it at halftime if it was still there. Yeah, no, like, for the most part, we kind of knew going in that Michigan State's pass defense was kind of butt. Like, it, was, it wasn't it was good. It was a matchup nightmare for uh, Michigan State generally. Their passing offense isn't good enough to keep it in a shootout. And as much as we love Kenneth Walker, for the most part, his, like, you can't outrun, at least in this day and age, you can't keep up with a shootout with just runs all day. So, like, I get going away from the run, especially when you give up touchdowns literally every single possession of the entire game. But at the same time, though, you got to feed, keep what's working for you. Like, you have to keep on feeding that beast. But, man, like, have a quarterback go 32 for 35 against you, I mean – it's not really all much you can do offensively. Like it, it's just you got a shit defense, and it's. I would say it's surprising because Mel Tucker's a defensive guy, but I mean, like we've seen the issue the entire season, so like nobody's really shocked. Um, Michigan State, like Penn State, isn't necessarily a cakewalk. We've seen them struggle with. We've seen Penn State give everybody fits, including Ohio State. So like they better win. And I mean, all in all, it's still a pretty successful season for Penn State. I mean, Michigan State, like nobody had them nine and two at this point. It's a really successful season for them. But they kind of want that taste of a New Year's six, and they definitely need to beat Penn State. Otherwise, it's a season that started off with a lot of promise, but kind of fell off on the break. Truthfully, I'm going to go ahead and just get my take for it. Well, when the game was going, like for the first half, when the game was going on, I was already driving to Madison. But you know, but when I got to the bar, uh, shout out State Street Brats, by the way, fantastic, great, great establishment. Um, I was, me and my uncles we were watching the game uh, in the in the bar, and we were kind of just like, "What the hell is going on here?" You know, and I, I would pump the brakes a little bit when we're talking about Mel Tucker. Ohio State was a 19-point favorite going into this game for a reason. Granted, yes, sure, yes, they won by 49 and not 19. Everybody knew that Ohio State was going to be the better matchup. They knew that they had the better receivers, they had the better quarterback, the better pass attack. Pump the brakes on Mel Tucker a little bit. Michigan State's win total going into the season was around like four or five, and he's already doubled that. It was a bad game, really bad games. Guess what? Coaches have really bad games. I'm not saying that this is a game where you just let it slide past. I'm not saying that there is going to be a bit of punishment. This is the type of game that would take you from a potential Rose Bowl bid to maybe not even the Citrus Bowl. You're probably going to be going to the Outback Bowl, hoping for that free jumbo coconut shrimp. But at this point, we kind of know what Michigan State's at right now. I think they're still going to be Penn State. I don't view them entirely differently. Peyton Thorne was massively disappointing. He had among the worst games I think he's ever played in his career. Kenneth Walker had only six carries throughout the entire game. He was a high – he was – going into that game, if you asked me who the best player in college football was at that point, it was obviously him. But guess what? Stroud exploded. Our player of the week, fantastic. Six touchdowns. I don't – I forgot what the yardage was at. What, 500? Damn near 500? It's honestly incredible. He's gonna. He's more than the favorite for the Heisman. So, yes. 
yeah, one to two odds. Okay, minus two hundred for the for the Vegas odds makers. So this for me was just more about Ohio State's dominance than anything. I truthfully don't really take it much more than that. So, quick question for you, like off the top, like, do you think Walker should Walker still gets invited to New York? You think, right? Yeah, I probably, you know, it depends on how many guys they invite because sometimes they invite five, sometimes they invite three. If they invite five, I, I think he's there no matter what. Okay, because like Stroud and Bryce Young are going to be two for sure. Top two. Top two. Yeah, the, 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 top two. The, those, those, they're going to be like Andrew Luck and RG3 in 2011, where everybody knows it's going to be one of those two. Those are the three guys after them. You're there just for the photography and the interviews. Yeah. I think the biggest thing for me was that I was waiting, like all season we've been waiting for Ohio State to like consistently like put together like a decent offense, not a decent offense performance, a complete offensive performance. Cause like you see stretches and spurts, but then sometimes I'll have a few drives where it's like CJ Stroud's just not looking that good or they're not running the ball. Not that I believe in Stroud. I think he's awesome. But like, I think last week against Purdue, like against a, pretty bad Purdue defense. They like started getting it going. They needed that warm up and then they just came into this game. And yes, Michigan State's passing defense wasn't that good, but like, goodness gracious. <laughs> like that was like only three incomplete passes from Stroud. That was insane. That was a great performance. And for Michigan State side, like Walker's awesome, but like Peyton Thorne just isn't it when you need to like tear the top off a of defense. That's, that's just not the guy you want. So I just think the biggest thing is that Ohio State's offense is like really, really clicking. And that for anybody, including like who they might play in the playoff, if they get to the playoff, I'm assuming they get there. But if they do, that's I don't want to play them if I'm any defense, except for maybe Georgia. But even then, I don't know. Yeah, I, I think at this point, we're kind of at the point where it's just it's Georgia. It's it's Ohio State. I, I don't see a third team coming in there and being like, oh, hey, what's up? We're, we're here, too. Bama to me is disappointing. Whoever the fourth team is is probably going to get obliterated. And I mean, Bama's not even going to make the playoff. Let's just get that clear. They're going to lose to Georgia in the SEC championship. But say it's like not Cincinnati. jinxing it till it happens. Not jinxing it. Till don't, it don't. Yep, we've don't. said. I feel like I feel like we said that in 2018. A lot of people felt that confidence. I'm not Ooh, confident. In we're anything, we're not. You never ever ever count out Alabama. No matter how much you wanted to in 2017 i in 2017 i didn't even want them to make the playoff because they didn't even win their own division okay don't ever count out alabama if it's a close loss even i'm not even going to be rolling it out that they don't make the playoff i wasn't saying all that i was just saying georgia historically is georgia that's my whole beef with everything so yeah just the entire state i i the entire state of georgia like i don't necessarily like root against georgia uh, sports teams, I don't root for them, but like I just, whenever something starts ha- going good, I'm like, where's the, where's the train coming on the track that's gonna derail this? So, but like for all y'all Georgia fans, you dug and everything, like I hope you guys get there because you guys need it. I mean, Georgia's not a historically great sports team when it comes to being in the clutch, but we will say the Braves did just win the World Series, so maybe that's a glimmer of hope for for Georgia right there. I, I just think this team is different. I, I think that Georgia itself is defensively the best, and their offense is 
good enough. I don't think it's amazing. I think Stetson's outperformed what everyone thought he would be. I mean, there's a reason he's still playing and it's not JT. I, I, I think this team is really good. I don't believe in Bama. Yes, you can always say it's it's Nick Saban, but you also got to give credit to where credit's due. Kirby Smart's done a great job with that team this year. Yes, yes. But, like, to give some sort of, like, criticism for Georgia, even though Stetson statistically is probably one of the better quarterbacks, if not the best quarterback, not named Bryce Young or Matt Corral in the conference, the same time, like, when you see him play, you'll see those deep balls flutter or die short. You'll see throws being missed. Like at the same time, I don't think JT is healthy enough to be that guy until we get to January, because like he was still having um, Jordan Palmer work with him as recently as Tennessee a few weeks ago. So he's not all the way there, but at the same time, like Stetson, Stetson got us through a schedule that was actually easier than expected because you look at it, Auburn kind of declined. Arkansas wasn't surprised, but, you know, and in the end, the toll kind of got taken away from them. We avoided Alabama. We avoided Texas A&M. We avoided Ole Miss. Like, we avoided pretty much all the heavyweights. I mean, Florida stunk this year. Like, we avoided all those in Clemson request. So we didn't necessarily get a team that challenges to one-possession games outside of week one. So, like, that's my big worry with them. Like, they haven't had that challenge, and Alabama's going to be probably the first team that might actually punch them in the mouth, and we need to see that response. Serious so, question. Like, who Who is the best quarterback Georgia's played this season? Probably Hendon Hooker. Gun well, that ain't saying much. Same much. Yeah, I mean, but he's I mean, been great. He's, he's been good. He's been really but good, but, like, he's not, he's not your exactly. Bryce. He's not, he's not your CJ. He's not – you know, he's not that level. You know, this is obviously. Yeah, but you be- also don't play those guys every week. I mean, you don't play those. It wouldn't guys kill you week, once. You need to play them once. Like, once for the season. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we'll we'll find out in the SEC championship. And like my only worry defensively is like guys have gotten past the secondary. Like big plays have been available. It's just that the quarterbacks, like we said, have been we've placed, we have faced, aren't good enough to make those throws. Like the Auburn game, for example, guys are getting past our corners pretty much a, a lot of that game, but Bo Nix sucks. So, yeah, no, Bo Nix flat out is a terrible quarterback. I mean, I'm wishing that he recovers fully from his injury. Don't wish injury on anybody, but in terms of being an actual quarterback, he sucks. But um, the, Auburn was getting open. He just couldn't hit a lick. So, like, Tennessee – at least Tennessee, like some of their guys were making moves and they're able to draw pass interference calls on us. It's just, we, it's an issue that appears here and there. So it's pretty much it in terms of main weaknesses for Jordan. So, yeah, well, it's, it's why we play the game. We're, we're going to find out eventually. But yeah. I, I feel like we, we kind of went off on we went from Ohio state to just talk about Alabama. So that's, that's amazing. Let's, let's go to the next game. Probably the most surprising because a lot of people did call Utah to beat Oregon like Doug did, but I don't think anybody saw them getting absolutely demolished. But what happened in that game to Oregon? Like they just didn't do anything right. They were down what 28, nothing at half after the punt return. Correct. Just, I, I don't know how the heck, like I understand Oregon's not a great team. Like, I don't think Anthony Brown is that good at all. I think that they he were stinks. dealing with a lot of 
So he's, he, you're not wrong. I was trying to put it lightly. Uh, I saw there was some sort of a quarterback award that put him in as a semifinalist or something. For I think it might have been the, was it's it the Johnny Unitas? Oh, I think it was the I mean, Johnny Unitas Golden Arm. Was that it? No. That's the one for seniors? Seniors, yeah. That's okay, the one, for, the one seniors. for seniors. It might make sense. But if it was like that overall. No, because Bryce Young was in it. Okay, it might be David O'Brien then. In that case, no, I think it was O'Brien. Yeah, that's nasty. That's just yeah, it was, nasty. It, I, I don't know. But he, he, yeah, the way you said it, he sucks. Uh, I think that this offense would have been a lot better if Riddell didn't get hurt. I think he's a big part. I No disrespect to Travis Dye, but he's not C.J. Riddell in my opinion. I, I don't know. This Oregon team, it's just – We've known this is coming for a few weeks now. They're they're just kind of sputtering along the road. You struggle against Cal, Cal. You struggle yeah. against UCLA. They had the loss to Stanford, which, by the way, aged awfully. Stanford is putrid. Stanford have, have they even won a game since? I don't think so. Yeah, their, their last their last win is against Oregon, and they they suck. They suck. It's you can't even say anything else because like who cares enough to watch Stanford football? They they got throttled by Utah the other week. Yeah, no, like it's funny we go from Oregon in the playoff to Oregon not even making the Pac-12 title game. If yeah, if they lose, they're out. Like yeah, it's between it Oregon State and Wazoo, depending on the result of the Apple Cup, which is funny because those are battle between two interim coaches and. Wazoo making the title game against the interim coach it, with the interim coach is actually hilarious, but alas, um, yeah, but Oregon, that's probably like the worst set of events for them if they lose this week, because losing two in a row, going from three to probably not even top 15 and end up at Alamo Bowl, still Pac-12, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah, so going to Alma Bowl instead of playing at the near six or the playoff itself, like it's just shameful. Like I feel bad for Oregon because they've dealt with a lot of injuries, but at the same time, they stink. Like they've been fighting through the skin of their teeth practically the entire season after what? After Ohio State, they've been struggling. Before Iowa State, they were struggling. Ohio State is probably the one game they actually put everything together and looked like an actual competent program. But, yeah, no, after that, it's just been well, – Arizona's probably, what, their only other game that they look pretty dominant in? Colorado to an extent. But it's also Colorado. Yeah, yeah Colorado's a mess. I feel bad for Calderell. Um, But, yeah, no, like, my thing is, if Oregon actually loses – to Civil War, I do think Mario might bolt for Miami if that job becomes open. But if it's not, like... I think Manny Diaz saved his job. I, I think that he's done enough where he's going to get another year. Or I don't know if he saved his job. I think Van Dyke saved his job. Van Dyke has been great. He, he's been good. He's, he's a good player. If I honestly think if they don't beat Virginia Tech, I think that would be enough to to just get rid of Diaz, but I, I don't know. I, I think they played Duke this week. Yeah. Duke's an easy win. Yeah. So they're all going to be bowl eligible. Like, yeah, it's a nice turnaround. Cause De'Aaron King was never healthy to begin the season. Yeah. And 
he's just like it's time. Like I'm glad he admitted he's done with football, like for his health, because he's been yeah. he's been fried. But um, yeah, yeah, no, like go ahead. It would have been amazing to see a, a full healthy season of Derek. Like, yeah, but then we went and gotten Van Dyke, and Van Dyke has probably been yeah. like, the best passer in God knows how long. I remember oh, like, the my list. gosh. But, Oregon would take either of those guys. I mean, even a fifty yeah. percent De'Aaron King, because like Anthony Brown is awful. That like you guys are like ripping on. Like I understand like ripping on Oregon. Like they're not that bad, but like when you're not that good either, um, you need like everything. They beat Ohio State because like they just ran like the same like handoff to the left like three times, which is what happened. And Anthony Brown's like not good enough to like make up. If they had like Justin Herbert. Still, there. This team is amazing, just because. The thing is, like, up. they weren't good with Herbert either. I mean, that's I mean, true. They were but like, good, I think but with like, with yeah. Joe Moorhead in as the new offensive coordinator, like the offense like looked like alive. And then right, like the day of the Stanford game, it's like, oh no, he had to go to the hospital, and then they stunk. But then also, it showed that, yeah, Anthony Brown is as good as we thought he was, which was, as you guys are saying, and I'm saying, not good. So it just yeah. showed like Oregon's really good at. Like once they get a lead, they might not blow you up, but they'll blow, they'll like they'll like kind of choke you Let to you death in the defense. Yeah. But then after that, like that game showed because like Utah just destroyed them. And it's like, oh, we can't come back it because Anthony Brown can't complete four yard passes. So we're done. And then they just kind of just died. So I mean, yep. it's the Pac 12. They can't I'm a Pac 12 fan. We can't have nice things. We're never gonna have a playoff team ever again. I bet when they expand it to like 64 teams in like 2095, we're still not going to get a team in. So it's just how it goes. We're sorry, Dylan. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry, Dylan. Just realized that. <laughs> um, does anyone else have any comments about Oregon? I mean, it, this has all been kind of expected. No, nobody cares. Out to the next question. Okay. Let's, just, let's just, let's just be honest. That's kind of just yeah. where we are. That's just, that's just Pac-12. You know, I said this at the beginning of the year during our preview. I said that you know, once a pack, like what, like if, like if Oregon, I'll give Oregon credit. This they were able to sail the settle on the boat a little bit. You know, after that loss to Stanford to, to keep afloat, I think is what I meant. But now that they have lost and that Washington, being as putrid as they are as they have been this year, nobody really cares about the Pac-12 anymore. Once. Once a team stutters out, the whole conference turns to ass. We don't care. We don't care about Arizona State. We don't care about Cal. We, you know, Wazoo at this point is probably the best story concerning how they how they've been able to keep up after firing Rolovich. And it's like that's the only that is honestly the most noteworthy thing I can really feel like talking about after this Oregon complete, you know, burnout. Because that's exactly what it is. Yeah, the, the most notable thing to happen in the Pac-12 in a few years is DTR signing a, a fan's hat uh, after scoring a touchdown. I think we can all agree on that. I mean, that was but... save Chip Kelly's job. Man. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to give Utah's flowers real quick because, like, uh, they ran for 208 yards on 50 carries, so that's an average of 4.2. And their long was 17, so it wasn't like they were busting off these big runs. They were just, like, a little bit here, a little bit there. We're beating up, like – Thibodeau and Noah Sewell like played played as well as they could. They like they tried the entire sixty minutes, but like they were just getting destroyed. So it's just Utah the sledgehammer out there. So 
it was fun to like as someone who likes watching like a team getting beat up like that like that was fun so yeah and while we're on the the track of giving utah some credit devin lloyd is a dog that guy just he is a star in the making that dude is freaking insane Every NFL team should be lining up, just waiting for the chance to draft. I don't care if you have the best linebacker in the NFL. You should want Devin Lloyd on your team. He is that good. Like Watching him tackle is like watching art personified to me. It's, it's just textbook. It's clean. It's gritty. I, I don't know how to describe it. He, he just watching him play football is fun. That's all I can say. But... <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I get super upbeat when I, I watch good tackling. That and good special teams. I, I get happy. Special teams is an art form. Shout out Pun God. Shout out Pun God. <laughs> and like Utah, like oh sorry. And Utah, like historically, their their linebackers are always like really really solid, but like none of them have been like supremely athletic. Lloyd is like an athlete. Plus, he's got all that Utah coaching and grittiness and everything. So. First round pick. Uh, okay, I won't say for sure. No, easy. Yeah, easy. Yeah. But then, mm-hmm. who knows? At least if he's if he falls out of the second round, I'll be shocked. He at least like pick thirty five and up. He fall. He falls out of the first round. I'll be shocked. He falls out of the top twenty five. I'll be shocked. I don't think he has red flags like character wise, so he shouldn't fall out. I I, I think. I mean. Me personally, like just off of first impressions, I would probably take him over Nakobe. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on, wait. Nakobe, Nakobe is like you could line Nakobe up at corner. That dude is that dude is special, like just athletically. Like sometimes he's a little wild, but that dude is like he, athletically, he is. that dude is crazy. Nakobe's awesome. I, I, I like them both. Me. Devin, Nakobe, if you guys can see this, we like you both, okay? You had me until you went at my dog. Like, I, 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 no disrespect, no disrespect. I'm, I'm just trying to praise Devin Lloyd. I'm, I'm not trying to put down. Okay, anybody else. yeah, you can praise Devin Lloyd without bringing my dog into it. Like, I, I, I shouldn't have had, I shouldn't have done that. That's on me. That's on. Okay, me. there you go. There you go. I apologize. They're both dogs, and Nakobe's literally a dog. He plays for the. Okay. Uh, there you uh, go. Yeah. Um. Let's let's get around the Pac-12. No one cares, uh, except for the players. We love the players. We don't like the teams. Uh, hate the conference. Hate the conference. Hate the teams. Hate everything about it. Also, USC, get some fans that go to your stadium. Uh, Cincinnati. Yep. Is, no. Is Cincinnati. What? Damn. <laughs> Houston. Don't forget Houston, bro. I, I I'm I'm literally beat U H. Beat U H first. Beat U H. Then we'll fucking talk. That's for, for the listener. For the listeners, our our outline, like the question is, did Cincy's win over SME solidify their playoff spot? And then, like, if so, they went so out, to get that out there before if we just out. hit them with the <laughs> you went out, yeah. sure, but beat C O U G A R S first, then you got my respect. All so, right. So, if they, my thing is, so you got Georgia, who's pretty essentially a lock as long as they beat Georgia Tech. Ohio State, they should beat Michigan, and they should beat the Big Ten West representative, Minnesota. Um, they should. So it's those two. Um, yeah, Cincinnati will be over Notre Dame for sure. Oregon losing helped a lot. The main thing is that 
I am not sure whether a two-loss Alabama can backdoor in or a one-loss Oklahoma State, because I do think Oklahoma's too far back, and that double dip actually will hurt them, like if Oklahoma beats Oklahoma State twice, because that's literally their only thing on their resume. And same thing with Oklahoma State, in a sense, because it's also weird because of how the Big 12 is lined up. We'll talk about this later. Because Oklahoma State faces Baylor twice and they beat them twice. And it also kind of hurts their resume as well, because that's the one issue I do have with rematches in title games, because you make that team look worse by beating them twice in that way, because they'll bump them down to three losses, regardless of what happens to whoever wins the Big 12. Like, it makes your resume look worse. It's annoying. But um, what do you think Oklahoma's too far back? But Cincinnati, assuming they went out, should be fine. It just – I think that last spot comes down to Oklahoma State or Alabama. I think Notre Dame's out. Week schedule. Everybody that they've – everybody that they've played had a down year, which sucks because Notre Dame actually did play them and they won. But think about it. North Carolina, stunk. Virginia Tech, stunk. USC, stunk. Stanford, two pack of ass. Like everybody stinks outside the one team that they did face that beat them. And it's going to be ahead of them. So, yeah, I mean, it's. Oh, sorry, Andrew. No, no, just, you go. You go. I just think that I, I believe in Cincinnati and all that stuff. Like the second half of the question is are they for real? I think they're for real. Problem is, I don't trust the committee to get their act together because they've proven it time and again. They don't like group of five teams. They ranked UCF fairly low until UCF like finished off the entire year undefeated Cincinnati. They jumped them with two loss Iowa state. Uh, the other group of five teams, they've had them pretty low, like Costa Carolina, Louisiana last year had really good seasons. They kept them really low. They just keep those teams low. So until I, until it's locked and loaded that Cincinnati somehow squeaks in as the fourth seed, and it's all ready to go. I'm not believing that Cincinnati is in, not because of what they're doing. I just, I just don't believe in the committee, which is sad, kind of cynical, but that's just how it's been so far. This is just my basic two cents right here. Okay, look, everybody that follows me knows that I've been high on SMU the whole year. Okay, and that is true. SMU has stuttered ever since I lost to Houston. SMU has not been the same SMU that we've. That I, that I would have liked to believe so. They also lost to Memphis. So I am not even taking this win over SMU wholeheartedly serious. You did mm-hmm. not look great. You did not look great against South Florida. You some will say that you should have lost to Tulsa. You did yep. in the, be, the beginning of the year. You were tied at halftime with Murray State. All right. Now look, I know that this is September, and I and I know that we're talking on the now. And yes, I know that they beat Notre Dame. Truthfully, same thing with Notre Dame, same with what Doug was saying. We don't know how good Notre Dame is right now. We truly will not, and I don't think we will know how good they truly are until we see them in an actual bowl game. And also, when you look at the entire resume as a whole, Cincy is not that impressive. Okay, yes, you beat Notre Dame, but all those close losses, all those close wins that I just mentioned, the fact that you essentially need to become a second half team in all in damn near all these games, you need to put up a full performance. Against Houston. You beat Houston. That is it. Golden ticket. You're Charlie going to the chocolate factory. That is it. All right. I don't give a rat's ass what these rankings are going to be tomorrow night, tonight, if you're listening to this on Tuesday morning. I truthfully do not care at this point. It's probably arguably the most irrelevant CFP rankings of the season. You 
win against Houston. That's it. And I don't know how much more detail I can go into. So, question. So, you're talking about, like, I agree with the whole premise about how they need to be better. But you can use that same logic for practically everybody in general. Because Alabama's, for the most parts kept teams in games. Like, Arkansas game really shouldn't have been as close as it was. A&M, they lost. Like, you could do that. Ohio State practically struggled until they blew out Purdue and Michigan State back-to-back weeks. Um, Oregon, historically, but that's whatever. Oklahoma struggled again. Oklahoma State, they've done better the past few weeks, but I remember them struggling against Boise State. I remember them struggling quite a bit earlier on. And then Notre Dame, like we've seen it, but like I'm saying, you can use that same logic to everybody. I'm looking. I'm looking. Out. I'm also looking at, at a talent perspective. Like CJ Stroud, we know how good CJ Stroud. He's lights it up. Bryce Young, he still lights it up. Desmond Ritter. I feel like a lot of people were viewing him as a dark horse for Heisman. Yeah. There was a lot of talk of him being like a, maybe a potential first round pick. In my opinion, this season has only diminished his reputation. Okay. Listen, we're talking Alabama versus likes of Texas A&M. Okay. Yes. And, and I know A&M has sputtered quite a bit. We're talking against Mississippi state and look, I'm a fan of that Mississippi state offense and they freaking killed them. Okay. Ole Miss, and you know what? The only blemish that I really see on Alabama that I look at it and I'm just like, okay, I'm not convinced was obviously that two point win over Florida. In terms of everybody else, we're talking against Power Five SEC teams. We're talking Power Five Big Ten teams. We're I'm talking about Tulane. I'm talking about Tulsa. Okay. That's not even the same. Oklahoma and Ohio State respectively struggled against those teams. I know. I'm aware of that. But guess what? Okay. Tulsa still ass in general. That's true. And at least Ohio State could still blow out Tulsa out of the water. Okay. Cincinnati was still close to since was still close to Tulsa. Ohio State, they finished off Tulsa with ease in the second half. Cincinnati did not. That's fair. That's fair. I was just pointing out how everybody's had that same struggle at this point in the season. There's only been one truly dominant team, yours truly, and I did that purposely so I can do a shameless plug. I'm, I'm going to get my my two cents in with Cincy. Cincy, this entire year, I've been doubting because I don't like their offense. I don't think their offense is something that makes you ooh and ah. I, I think their defense makes you ooh and ah. They've got a lot of great players on their defense. Sauce Gardner is going to be a top 15 pick. Maje Sanders is a good edge rusher. But you you got to prove to me that you can do this more than just once. Like, they, they beat Notre Dame, woohoo. But they're, it's, once again, these struggles against these teams that you should be blowing out if you believe that you're a top four team in the country, it's, it's kind of tough to just get rid of those. Like, Yes, it's a good win against SMU. But like Andrew said, it's an SMU team that's not the same as it was five, six weeks ago. Tanner Mordecai, I want to say, had like 60-something yards, 60-something yards. That, that shows how great your defense is. But I, I'm still questioning Desmond Ritter as a quarterback. He, he looked good against SMU. He looked really good. But I, I just don't view him as a guy that takes you to that next level. He's a good quarterback in a good system. I don't view him as a difference maker. I don't view him as some sort of otherworldly talent that makes Cincinnati a playoff team. Like 
everybody's talking about how, oh, Desmond Ritter, he's the top five quarterback in this class. No, he's not. He's he's got good games, but his biggest thing is inconsistency. He can't do this against bad teams. He can do it against SMU. He can do it against Notre Dame. How come he can't do it against Navy? How come he can't do it against Tulsa? I remember this SMU defense is actually relatively unwell. This is an SMU team that has re- that has re- relied on the offense to outscore everybody. That SMU defense, even I could have told you for the longest time, was not that good. Remember, that was a team that allowed over 40 points to Louisiana Tech that they had relied on a Hail Mary to. This was a this was an SMU defense that essentially gave Clayton Toon the best game of his career. I forgot what the total line was, but I forgot it. I think it was like 330 yards and like four touchdowns. Best game of his career. This was a quarterback that Houston fans wanted kicked out of the university just last year, you know? So it's like, there's just so many external factors that I look at in that aspect that I kind of just like, in terms of competition and that AAC. Yeah. I just think for Cincinnati, it's just one, they haven't had a buy since, uh, after the Indiana game, before the Notre Dame game. So they've been playing a lot of games too. So I just think they're tired physically. And then I think mentally, like you last year, they weren't the big boys. Like they were like, yeah, favorited in their, in the AC, but like they weren't a playoff contender, like they were coming into the season. So I just think they're getting the best from everyone every single week. And that's going to wear on you. Remember like these are college kids. So it's going to get to you. So I think they have the talent that the whole big thing, I think they could cover if they made it to the playoff, which might not be saying much, but if you go back and look at some scores of those playoff games, like some yeah. power five teams didn't cover against power five teams. So I think since he could cover, I just think that, I just think they're tired. So I just think they need a break either way. It's fair. It's definitely fair. But at the same time, if, if you believe you're a top four team, I still want you to put away Navy. It doesn't really change my outlook on that. They definitely can be tired. It, it's Navy. It, it's Navy. It, you, you beat them by what? Two possessions? You beat Tulsa by eight? Come on. Uh, but going back to the whole the whole thing of it, the playoff, since he's pretty much winning it. I know Andrew talked about like, you got to go through Houston. You do have to go through Houston. If you go through Houston and go 13 and 0, you're in. The the teams above you have collapsed. Oregon done. Alabama is going to end up being done, in my opinion. Michigan uh, State obviously. gone. Michigan yep. State has been gone. Uh, you know, if we go Michigan's back a probably earlier, gone. Yeah. Well, Michigan's not above them, but I I know what you mean. They're they're about to get beat this week. Uh, and then even if we go back a few weeks, we had teams like Iowa and Penn State who were in the top five. We knew that was going to just not go the way that they thought it would. So I, I think since he's winning in, I think that they can be the three seed or maybe the four. I think if Oklahoma State wins out, goes 12 and one, wins the, the big 12, they could sneak in just because their strength of schedule is better and they have more than just one win where since he's kind of going off of Notre Dame where Oklahoma State would have win against Baylor, two wins against Oklahoma. And even if they do beat Oklahoma twice, it's still Oklahoma. You you have to give credit where credit's due. It's Oklahoma. I can't think of other wins off the top of my head. Boise State's not an awful team. They're not a good team this year compared to Boise State's past. But I, I think you can definitely make the argument of 12-1 Oklahoma State over 13-0 Cincinnati. But at the end of the day, I think Cincinnati's got to be in the playoff. Great. So that's enough talk of Cincinnati. I want to, I want to uh, just kind of 
do a little bit of, you know, how Doug was talking earlier about how he called that Utah would be Gorgon. I'm, I'm going to call something that I've been saying for a few weeks now. Mullen's going to get fired. He got fired Sunday, I want to say. They didn't, they didn't even wait till yep. Monday. They, they yep. got rid of Dan Mullen. I called this multiple times. I had an article released on the website uh, saying, hey, Dan Mullen's on the hot seat. And then even a few days before the Missouri game, I might have been the night before, I tweeted out saying, hey, Florida's going to lose to Missouri and Dan Mullen's going to get fired. That's right. I, I just know this stuff, apparently. Um, Dan Mullen, I, I, I want to address something real quick. Go for it. For the, for the people on any social media platform that say, oh, Dan Mullen has one bad year and he gets fired. Oh, this stupid business. I'm looking at one certain Twitter reporter that no one likes. I, I think Doug knows who I'm talking about. I know uh, the exact tweet. I saw the exact <laughs> tweet. I know who you're talking about. I'm not going to say any names, but mm-hmm. I mean, one bad year as first off, not bad horrendous it's freaking yep. florida it's florida florida we expect like if we have no outside knowledge of what the team is we expect the name florida florida as a program florida as a brand we expect florida to be contending not even for national titles right now because we know that's that's the alabamas before this year it's the clemsons uh, the to an extent the georgias and then the oklahoma is always the, the ohio states we expect we expect them to at least be like going for a new year six they're fighting yes. for bowl eligibility against Florida State. They're not even – they're not the best team in Florida. And that's not an overstatement. To be I, fair, I don't think any team is really the best team in Florida. If you look at the records, UCF, the I think it's the best teams, and they're at, what, six wins? The best I'd team in Florida uh, might be Florida A&M. Or, or, uh, or uh, Bethman Cookman. Bethman Cookman, however you say it. Yeah. Yep, I mean, isn't Florida A&M like what – something and two which is they're nine and two i think i don't know nine and two like they're, they're they're a good team uh but dan mullen i getting back to the the whole uh, one bad season thing one bad season as a college football coach it, it sets up the next years to be harder because it makes your recruiting classes worse i don't know if anybody paid attention to his recruiting classes dwindling before he was before he was fired he was already losing recruits. After the LSU game, they lost two big recruits in their class. And then after now, they're not even after now. This past week, their class ranked in the 40s, like out of the, the 100 and whatever the heck FBS teams there are, uh, 40th, in the 40s, not even 40th. They were ranking below teams like Boston College. Boston College, <laughs> it's Florida. I mean, Dan Mullen's doing such a bad job. They're not even winning games this season, but recruiting. He can't bring in enough talent to help this team. That's obviously lackluster. And now he's losing to teams like Missouri. And no offense to Missouri. Missouri's actually a good team this year. I think Drinkwitz has done a good job with that team. He's going to get the recruits in the nation. I think it's next year, maybe the year after a wide receiver. I can't remember Bolton? his name. Yeah, he, he looked good. Two and nine in the last 11 games against power five teams. I think that's the official statistic. It might actually and be worse. I think it might be worse Vandy, than that, actually. Vandy, and I think it might be us if we're going back a year. Um, It might be. Yeah, because it's a last 11. Because so I, 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 I think Kansas has like done better now. Kansas has done better because they beat Texas and they beat somebody last year that I – did they beat somebody last year? I don't think no, because when they beat Texas A and M, that was 
that was 2019 when they beat Texas. Texas Tech, sorry. They beat Texas Tech in 2019. Yeah. So I don't think they beat. I'll Google so, while you guys. Be, well, they, they have a record similar to Kansas. Which is sad. But at the same time, Kansas, you know, like other than that. Shout out Lance Leopold. He's one of the highest risers in, in college football this year. I don't think oh, people easily. are. I don't think people are uh, giving him. It wasn't Kansas. They went almost last year. Yeah. So I think Kansas was the one in 10, and Vandy might have been a two and nine team as well because they beat. Uh, was this Power Five or uh, Power just FBS five. in general? Power okay, Five. Because so, I know yeah. Vandy beat Colorado's. Well, State, I mean, if it was FBS, then not. they should, then Mullen should have been fired even earlier. But, you know, two and nine does put a little bit of a better silver lining, but. Not that yeah, good. It isn't Vandy either because Vandy's two wins this year were Colorado State and UConn. Oh, gosh. I mean, UConn actually got a win, so you got to give them credit. Uh, they more beat than they Yale. Were expected. They beat. Yale. I mean, <laughs> Yale's among the better teams in the uh, in the FCS. I mean, I mean, they were in it with Harvard, and Harvard won the Ivy, did they not? Oh, it was Princeton. Or, yeah, no, Harvard. Harvard, won Harvard, a, Harvard won on the last second touchdown. Yeah, I I didn't mean the. I don't know what I'm talking about. Um, but going this is I why don't I don't talk about FCS. This is why I don't talk about FCS because I don't I'm know how we get from I, I don't know how we get from talking about Florida to freaking Yale and Harvard. They're the so same, we went, they're on the same level. It's right the now. same carrot because the reason why we talked about because we were talking about Florida's last the number of P5 wins they've had, and we we're trying to figure out which teams were on the same level. We thought it was Kansas, we thought it was Vandy, and then we checked their schedules respectively, and it sure as hell wasn't them. So, yeah, I mean, Florida, like, no matter what, if you go two and nine against power five teams in the last 11 and you're at a big name program like Florida, you need to be gone. You're obviously not doing anything good for the program. I think that this fire was made too late. I think that if it was made earlier in the season, they might have had a chance at saving some recruits. But now their, their class is going to be awful for the next two years. It's going to be awful. I think they've already lost – I think they lost a four-star today, maybe a three, but they definitely lost someone big. Yeah. Uh, I, I saw that on Twitter. They're, they're just not going to be good. Uh, let's just get this out of the way. The, the, the SEC East is going to be ruled by Georgia, not like we had any other chance of any other team. Like right now it's looking like Georgia, South Carolina's looking okay. Missouri's looking like they have a chance at being okay. Like I'll give South Carolina credit because they've been a lot better than I thought they would, especially given that quarterback situation, having like coaches play for them, having guys fresh off the street play for them. Like, hell, next week you probably starting for them, Andrew. Like, they've been pretty good. I got to give Shane Beamer, Shane Beamer props. Which Andrew are you talking to, by the way? I mean, with the way that's gone, their season's gone, probably both. Um, but like, the quarterback system. Fin- yeah, no, failed, but like, failed defensive lineman from class of 2016. Hey, I think I got some eligibility, so go for it. Yeah, no, but like on a serious note, like Shane Beamer, even though he looks like doughy eyed, like he has that innocence of a child whenever he like looks at a camera thinking that something actually good happened to him. Like, I just gotta give South Carolina props. Like, they've been a lot better. I thought they would. No chance of beating us anytime soon, but respectable program that he's building. So, yeah, he, he's doing a good job over there, but. I, I have one last thing to talk about with Florida. Yeah. What what are they going to do? Because I, I don't think that there's a higher. Penalty. 
I mean, at that point, it's probably that's probably the best option they could do. Self-inflicted death penalty. <laughs> they they did that to themselves, but it's like there's not a, a hire that's sexy enough that makes your immediate recruiting the best. Like I, I've heard Billy Napier from Louisiana. That's a good hire. It's not a sexy hire. Uh, it makes your program better, but it doesn't really help anything short term. It's a risky hire. That's what I will say. It, it is. Yeah. I saw something on. I, I look Twitter. at I look at Sun I look at Sun Belt hires, and I and I just think Napier should probably. If I was Napier, in just my whole heart, honest opinion, I would wait to see what Luke Fickle does at the end of the year. If Luke Fickle leaves Cincy, I think if he went to Cincy first before taking a major Power Five team like a Florida. It would help him a lot better. That's just my honest opinion. I, I feel like he would agree. I, I feel like if he took a an upper level G five school, he would have more security. He would have more say. He would probably have a little bit higher. It would probably be easier to recruit. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, if you were a three star guy, would you rather play for, you know, Napier, Cincinnati, a guy who's had losses as a Lafayette? I think a three star has more appeal to Cincinnati under Napier than a top end four star low end five star would to play for him at Florida if that kind of makes sense you know I just think he has a better draw in terms of the recruiting I just feel like he would have more job security he would have more backing it just makes more sense to me for him to go for a higher level g5 than to go straight to Florida and risk getting fired within the next two years I think Napier is waiting I think Napier wants LSU though because like he because LSU, it's LSU, and recruiting the state of LSU, which is one of the best states for talent, it's LSU and, like, every like no one else. Like, Napier's been able to get the other guys. That's why Louisiana's so good. I think he wants LSU because recruiting-wise, like, you go into Florida, Florida's getting killed in-state along with, like, Georgia, Alabama, LSU. It's a risk. Yeah, so none of the Florida schools are even good at recruiting Florida. Like, it's yeah. kind of the same issue that Texas schools have, like, well, Texas, Texas A&M is kind of sweeping it up right now, but like in terms of like Texas Longhorns, yeah, yeah, they're there. Yeah, like, before like Jimbo like started to get the ball rolling, but like there was like a period where none of the Texas schools were really getting guys like that. Like everybody was going to Ohio State or like Bama was taking the pick or two. Like, I mean, but like with Mullen, you like he's a good X's and O's guy, but in terms of like actually managing a roster slash being a like a CEO type, no, he stinks. Like he, that's not his role. Like he doesn't want to recruit. Um, he's not necessarily great at managing like egos. You can deal. You can have that issue at Mississippi State, and they don't care because it's Mississippi State. They're not expecting the world of you. Florida, like when he came in with um, McElwain. Yeah, it's McElwain. Yeah, the game of like McElwain's uh, recruits, like they were doing well. Like Mullen is like as evidenced by the multiple New Year Six trips and wins. Like Mullen can coach; he's a historically proven coach. It's just that he's lazy. He's lazy. He's a dork. Like I'm not being disparaging. It's just like you you kind of saw the photo of him dressed as Darth Vader at Halloween, like. Yeah. Dan Mullen's dorky, like, you can't take him sticks. It doesn't work at a big school like Florida. You can pull that shit in Starkville, it'll work. You can pull that shit at practically, honestly, I think he's a good fit at ACC schools. Like, um, the Carolinas, I think it could work there, but like, it's not working at Florida. It's not working at the big boys. So, um, 
yeah, I thought that if you went like, I mean, it was supposed to be rebuilding your report anyway. If you went like eight and four, you would have been fine. But it's just the issue of how they've lost or how they've struggled. Georgia practically beat them out the mat. Um, LSU had their career record rushing against them. Struggle against Samford. Mizzou, you know how Mizzou got that game-winning two-point conversion? Connor Basilak threw it off his back foot, and it nobody was covering the receiver in the end zone for that two-point conversion. He leaked out. Oh, yeah. Okay. But, like, yeah, it was off a back foot, though. Like, you can't be. Just literally just, like, chucked it up in the air. But, yeah, that shouldn't be happening. Those, I mean, to Mullen's credit, he was making uh, – he did make some coaching changes, but Florida's defense is too far gone. But with that, his quotes about recruiting, it's just his – everything snowballed into one thing where he could have gotten time if he just had a bad season, but bad season plus bad recruiting, it's time. I think, too, you mentioned the defense. Just Todd Grantham, he held on with Grantham. He was with Grantham at uh, Mississippi State. And Grantham, like, Grantham's not good at defense. There's story. There's a story I heard, one of my favorite stories for, about Grantham when he was at Louisville, is uh, they were losing, and they – People in the press box, some like a beat reporter for Louisville said, up, oh, watch, here come the emotional blitzes. A gap, watch, it happened. So, all right, this one. He called like five blitzes in a row because Grantham literally coached via emotion, not by, you know, coaching. So, and Mullen's like, Mullen's a great guy. Like he appears to be a great guy, like overall. I just think the problem with being a great guy is you're too loyal. And I think he should have fired Grantham a long time ago. And it's, I mean, Mullen also did it to himself, but also doing it to himself is keeping Grantham on. So it's just Mullen just, again, like you were saying, Doug, it's just his recruiting, his quotes on recruiting, his quotes on transferring. He's, he's just not built for being at Florida. I think he needs to like an ACC job would be fine. Just, just go somewhere, go coach up, go scheme up. He's great at scheming. Just maybe even go to the NFL and just be an offensive coordinator, drop plays there. I think he'd be good there, but yeah, just as a big time coach, he, he wasn't it. Yeah, well, that's, that's the end of the Mullen era at Florida. It's 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 done. Florida fans are probably happy. I mean, this season was just an absolute travesty for them. But let's 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 move on past that. Let's let's go to an actual topic that's not related to a team. And I know we're all going to have differing opinions because I I know Doug has a different opinion than my opinion. How many teams would you like to see in the playoff and why? Let's let's start with Josh. All right, so I I would like for the longest time I was like, all right, just logical. We'll go up to eight, and then like we'll go from there. But just the twelve team setup that they had with like the auto bids and everything, I just liked it just because my just simple brain of like, ooh, automatic bids uh, make the conference championship games matter like even more. That's awesome, and also it keeps Notre Dame from getting a buy. Like that's good. I don't like Notre Dame. Just don't don't award them anything. So I I just like the twelve. And like, even if it doesn't, um, like, even like, let's say, like, realistically, the top, well, this, like, the six through 12 teams probably won't, like, actually have a chance at winning it. But, you know, like, that gives them more money. Maybe we can see more talent, like, or, like, more uh, teams pop up in college football. But I don't know, the 12 just looked cool. Also, like, the games on campus, like, that's another thing that appealed to me. 
So like, I like the 12. I don't really, I just want to see the playoffs expand, to be honest. So eight, 12, six, whatever. Um, but I mean, 12, 12 seems nice. Like the current setup that has been thrown around. I like that. I'll, I'll, I'll let you go, Doug. Yeah. Um, I'm the person that thinks that four is fine. I've been anti-expansion for the longest time. I don't think auto bids should be part of the game because they're like, if you take a map of, or if you take a data view of every single conference champion since the turn of the millennium, there's always one that sticks out that doesn't belong. On top of that, there are, teams that are one loss teams or some cases two loss teams that are better than conference champs that get out of it to bowls like this year i mean most years at least in the playoff era you'd have a pac-12 team that has no business being a playoff learn playoff because they want to crap conference or you'll have situations where it's just ridiculous like even though the committee is garbage at ranking practically everything if you really think about it, they actually haven't gotten the top four wrong in terms of do teams make the playoffs. Everything else, like, and I mean everything else they've gotten wrong. But four, I think, is a good number. It's not too taxing on the teams. I think it's just some right, right mix of money grab slash proper viewpoint of talent. And finally, let's be honest, it's two extra games in the playoff compared to what we had at BCS, those extra games aren't good. They have not been watchable. And then you're going to add more games on top of that. Still not going to be watchable. You're probably going to add, like, what, maybe one watchable game, like, every so often years. It's just ass. Uh, I'm actually somewhat with Doug here. I'm okay with four. I'm okay with six. If you went with eight, I feel like you'd really be twisting my arm right there, but I would allow it. Uh, I'm okay with four because I just feel like, you know, what I said about Cincinnati, what will happen between Michigan and Ohio State, it's just a matter of everything's going to work itself out. I feel like by the end of the end of this week and by conference championship weekend, every team that is going to be proven to be a top four team is going to work itself out. Cincinnati beats East Carolina and they beat Houston. They're in. It's that simple. Ohio State takes business against Michigan and then they win what will most likely be either be Wisconsin or Minnesota. They're going to be in Alabama. If you at least keep a close loss to Georgia, I think they're just still going to be in just because of, you know, no one's going to blame them to lose to the number one team in the country by that slim margin. And they've been really picking themselves up up since the A&M loss. This, the whole reason why we got this playoff system was because we want the best of the best in, okay? The reason why people did not like the BCS is because there were people who thought teams were three and four, weren't giving a fair shot. Okay, guess what? We're giving those teams a fair shot now. If we're t- really, truly wanting the best teams in, I don't see how you go any more than eight. If you want to give it to six, that's fine. You want to tell me that I think after seeing Michigan State this past weekend, we'll see what they do. Well, I want to know like how much they drop. Maybe they go only down to 12. 
after seeing what Michigan State did this past weekend, do I really think that they deserve an opportunity to be in any playoff format whatsoever? We go up to 12, not a chance in hell, okay? Wake Forest, I think they're going to be out of the top 12 anyways, but do I think that even if they would have won this past weekend, if they were worthy of being a top 12 team to be given an opportunity to go to the national title game? No. Do I think Oklahoma deserves to be given that opportunity to go? No. Okay, I'm okay with four. Six, I'd be okay with. Eight, you're really twisting my arm. The playoff is supposed to be best of the best. These next two weeks are going to work themselves out. We're going to have a comfortable selection of what those four teams are going to be. And that's truthfully just it. You know, if it's about best of the best, keep it at best of the best. Yeah, I, I kind of see both sides of the argument. I see arguments for people who want to keep it at four. I want to see, I see people who want eight. I see people who want at 12. I, I kind of vary, which is not really the, the most definitive answer. And I understand it's not the greatest answer, but it's like with the four, yes, you talked about how it's the best of the best. And, you know, we're, we're getting the best teams. We want the best team to always win the national championship. With going to six, you know, it gives the top two teams an advantage where they get the bye. And then we get to see teams three through six duke it out, see who we get in the top four. Uh, with eight, it's it's a little bit weirder for me just because I don't really view that much of an advantage for the top teams. And I think that if you are going for uh, a larger playoff, you would want to kind of give the teams one through two or four some sort of an advantage. That's why I kind of like 12 a little bit more than eight is it gives them an advantage. It makes the earlier football mean more. But at the same time, I can also understand, hey, no one cares about teams nine through 12 because right now, what would nine through 12 be like? Oklahoma, if, I mean, Oklahoma's not going to, I mean, you can't even say Oklahoma's not going to beat anybody because we all have seen upsets and stuff can happen in college football. No one came into the, say for example, Alabama A&M game. No one thought AM was going to beat Alabama. It's Zach Calzada, and Zach Calzada ended up dotting up AM or excuse me, Alabama. Like miracles do can, happen. Miracles do happen. We could see, uh, and maybe this is just the that part of me. We could see Minnesota win something. It's probably not, but we could see Minnesota unseat I was Oklahoma. about to say that too. Minnesota beating Oklahoma. And here's the other thing I'll say with like a 12 team. I want to see on-campus playoff games. I want to see the atmosphere that that brings to college football. I want to see, you know, I want to see a Red River, not that Texas is going to be in the playoff. I want to see a Michigan-Ohio State at, at the Horseshoe or at the Big House. I want to see something at Penn State so I can see a whiteout playoff game. I want to see something insane. I don't care about these neutral site garbage games that have zero atmosphere where the only thing you're watching is on the field. I want to see fans having fun. I want to see something at the stadium. College football isn't just about the football. It's about the atmosphere, the vibe, just everything about it. It's amazing. That's why I love college football. It's not just football. But when you bring it to a neutral site, you take off half the experience. You know, football's amazing. We all love football. We all love college football. But admit it, we love college football. You know, if you like college football over the NFL, that's some sort of an opinion. But it's because... College football is more than just football. It's not just having an alliance towards a team. It's a college. It's lifestyle. We, we spend years at these colleges. We, we feel attached to them. Like with an NFL team, I've been a Packers fan my entire life. I've felt more attached to Minnesota my entire life because, A, I've lived here. 
and B, I go to the school. I feel some sort of an attachment. Do I, can I describe it? No, I want to see that in playoff form. If your team has a home playoff game, I want to see that atmosphere. It, but going back to the whole teams thing, if we do an eight team, which I don't know if that would happen. I think if the playoff goes to an expansion, it's going straight to 12. Uh, I, I would like to see a home playoff game for the first, the first set of games for the, for the eight do that. And then you can have whatever bowls in the middle and then have the, the national championship. I, I just want to see something. So we're not commercializing straight up culture ball. Obviously everything's a money grab. I, I want to see us keep a little bit of just the energy that this brings that makes us different than other sports leagues where it's just sports, where this is something different. It's more than just football. It's college football. Sorry for rambling. I just had to kind of get everything out there. Let it all out, brother. <laughs> I mean, I'll say I favor 12 for a lot of the things Andrew said, and but also because I'm kind of a chaos agent and I'd like to see chaos where it's like, yeah, I mean, would I like to see the best team win? Of course. But like, do I care if the best team wins? It's like, no, like that would be awesome to see like just the one time like a UCF can play Alabama and they somehow beat them just the one time I will take it. Like the next 20,000 games are awful. I'll take that one time and I will hold it dear to my heart forever. So that's why I want the expansion along with everything I just said. People underestimate the amount of upsets that can happen in college football. I'll, I'll just say that. Everybody expects, like, when when we released the the what brackets would look like on our Twitter, T-Portal CFB on Twitter, go follow it. Uh, we were talking about what matchups would look like if the season ended today and this was a 12-team bracket. It seemed like a lot of people were saying, oh, this matchup is easy, or, oh, this one, no, no question. Are you sure? Are you sure about that? Because it seems that you know, stuff can happen that you don't think happens. That's why we play football. If we, if we were just assuming, then what's the point of playing the game? Like we would just crown Alabama every year or we would crown Clemson the last few years. I, I feel we got to kind of play football to see who's the better team. I, I don't think you can just go off of who do you think is better because at the end of the day, what you think is better and what is actually better isn't always the same thing. But I digress. I've gone too far on that. I apologize, but... Let's let's go a little bit different. Let's talk about some conferences and this upcoming week. Which division from this last week of games has set itself up for the wildest finish this weekend? Uh, let's let's start with Andrew on this one. Could be a bit of a homer here, but I'm going to go ahead and just say the Big Ten East. I mean, it's essentially just straight up Michigan versus Ohio State. I just like these clear cut scenarios. I mean, like we are like I we spoke a little bit before off camera about just how Purdue can get involved with this. I mean, obviously they're, they're not going to win the big 10 West, but like how they can still fuck up, you know, both Minnesota and Wisconsin. Well, no, they miss needs. I'm going off track here, but I just like just a straight up win and in type scenarios. And that's what we got here with Ohio state, Michigan. This just feels like the most complete Michigan team in a really long time. This feels like a Michigan team that you can actually look at and say, yeah, I'm a little sold on them. Yeah, I actually think they can play ball. They got a really good stable of running backs. They got among the be- they got one of the best defensive players in the country with Aiden with uh, Aiden Hutchinson. I think that this Michigan team is somewhat for real. I don't think they're going to beat Ohio State, but I still think Michigan can still keep this game a little close with Ohio State to the point where it can be interesting. 
I'd expect Ohio State to pull away, but it's honestly just that simple. You know, I, I just really I, I it someone feels refreshing that you kind of go into a Michigan Ohio State game and you kind of think to yourself, okay, yeah, Michigan actually has somewhat of a chance. You actually feel good about a Michigan team. Uh, I'll, I'll go next because I'm going with the opposite division. Uh, I'm going to go with the Big Ten West. It probably another homer pick, but it's it's such an interesting division to me. You had Wisconsin who started one and three. They're now the favorite to win the division. You have Iowa who started undefeated, had the top five win against Penn State at home, and then they've just kind of sputtered the last few weeks. They they lost to Purdue. They lost to Wisconsin. They haven't looked that good. Their offense is still, in my opinion, inept. Their defense is still good, but. Nebraska is not like an easy team to play. They play everybody close. They lose every game by one possession. I'm pretty sure they've cut. I'm pretty sure they're like the best team in terms of like betters for Vegas because they, I feel like they cover almost every single game that they play in. They have a positive point differential still, I believe. Yeah, they, they, it, that definitely doesn't surprise me. But the Shout out scene, to Northwestern for sticking it up against them. Northwestern is awful. I, I don't know how, but like they'll play good teams close, but they'll also play bad teams close. Like they they kept Ohio State to just a nine point loss, but then they'll be close with Northwestern. I I don't know. And then they also had the loss to Illinois, the the week zero. That was just weird. Illinois is also a weird team because they also play teams close. Heck, they beat us. They they beat Minnesota like not even handedly, but like yeah, handedly. We couldn't Wasn't do that in Minnesota too. Yes, don't remind me. I was at that game. You so brought it up. Green. So you brought green. it up. Oh, shut up. <laughs> now he brought that up. So I mean, because I got to bring it up. Bowling Green beat Minnesota in Minnesota. Uh, I, I, I love saying that. Yeah, it's going to be fun when we beat y'all on Saturday and I'll say you lost to a team that lost to Bowling Green. Yeah, and but, it'll be fun when I, when I screen record this part and I can show it up at Saturday night around 6 o'clock. Yeah, well, six o'clock. I'll I'll be on the field with with the team celebrating with the axe, chopping down the with goal de- post. With, with depression, that's what you're gonna be celebrating with. Yeah. Probably, Damn. but you know, yeah. no problems with that. Um, I I just think it's also kind of a chaos factor. You got Wisconsin really controls their own destiny, but if they don't win, everything else is up for grabs. Purdue doesn't have any chance. Iowa would need to beat Nebraska, but on the off chance that Wisconsin loses and Nebraska somehow doesn't lose by one possession and Purdue wins, you know, the team that lost to Bowling Green in Illinois makes it to the Big Ten Championship, which doesn't make sense to me. As a fan of this team, it doesn't make sense to me. As someone who's watched every single freaking second of their season, it doesn't make sense to me. I don't know how on earth they're allowed in the Big Ten Championship. Heck, I'll take it but I don't know how they'd be allowed. Yeah, no, like, it's the beauty of rivalry. can screw up everybody's conference championship weekends. I have two races. Actually, three. So I'm just going to run through it quick. First of all, ACC. Pitt has locked up one division. The other division is up for grabs, the Atlantic between Wake Forest, NC State, and somehow Clemson. So Wake, it's simple, winning in against Boston College um, because Wake had the 6-2. and two. Um, If they lose, they're done because they lose tiebreakers. NC State beats NC um, North Carolina, 
and Wake loses, they're in. And if both Wake Forest and NC State lose, um, Clemson's in because they finish a conference schedule. Clemson faces South Carolina this weekend. So Clemson pretty much can't do anything on their end. They just need to root for two losses. And both of these are totally possible. Uh, North Carolina still, for as much crap as we give them about the fact that they can't play defense, they can't block to save their lives. Uh, Sam Howell's pretty damn good. And NC State's always good for four losses a year. They're at three right now. So do the math there. Um, and then Wake has looked pretty shaky these last few weeks. Granted, Boston College hasn't really been healthy like that as they were earlier in the season. And they did uh, lose last week, I believe. So it's not looking good on that end, but it's still totally possible. Uh, second one, I'll give you the Pac-12 North. Oregon controlled their own destiny as recently as a week ago. They still do. If they win, they're in. But if they lose, they're out, just like Wake Forest. Um, and then this will go between Washington State and Oregon State. If Washington State beats Washington in Apple Cup, they'll be in the Pac-12 title game with the interim coach. If they lose, Oregon State's going to the Pac-12 title game. It's actually pretty neat that you might have an interim coach or you have a coach taking over one of the arguably worst jobs in the country when Gary Anderson um, left Oregon State as crap as he did. And Oregon State being bowl eligible right now and being this good, it's actually pretty insane. And then finally, let's go to the Mountain West. We got our Mountain West Mountain Division. Three teams, Utah State, Air Force, and Boise State, all have a lot to play for. Um, if they all went out, Air Force is in because they had tiebreaker. All lose out. Air Force is also in because they had tiebreaker. Um, Boise State loses and Utah State and Air Force win. Utah State's in. Utah State and Boise win and Air Force loses. Boise's in. Boise and Air Force win and Utah State loses. Air Force is in. Basically, out of all these combinations that happen, it's going to be Air Force. But, again, like, all the sub options for Utah State and Boise State. So, three teams being in a race for one division slot is actually pretty intriguing. Conference championship weekend's just actually pretty sick. And rivalry weekend, it's beautiful. So, all these races are pretty much intriguing outside of, surprisingly, Michigan Ohio State. So, yeah, let me jump in on the Mountain West because it's, I mean, it's not just that. It's also the West Division because San Diego State and Fresno State, like there's so much with the Mountain West where like I didn't go like fully in depth to see all the tiebreakers. I just know that San Diego State and Fresno State on the other side um, are competing. And I think the big thing is that Fresno State plays Thursday. So they play Thursday. Boise State plays San Diego State Friday. Utah State plays, is this Friday? Yeah, Friday. And so, and Air Force, Air Force plays Friday. And I think the big thing too, is that this is one of those conference championships that's played at the top teams, like home stadium. So yep. it's not just playing to get in, you're playing to host. And that's huge. Like a few years ago, like Hawaii was really good, but then they had to go to Boise state and a bunch of Hawaii people going up to uh, Boise state at this time of year, it's chilly, it's cold. And like Hawaii just didn't look like themselves. So it like, it matters. And also with these games, like kind of kicking off, like the Boise State game, San Diego State game, and then Utah State kicking off at like within an hour of each other, there's going to be some scoreboard watching too, which is going to be really fun. 
Yeah, it's it's more than just the uh, the Power Five. We also got Mountain West. That's very interesting. Uh, kind of want to speed this up a little bit. Who's a player who had a performance that hasn't been talked about this last weekend? Uh, let's, let's start with Doug. Uh, Kobe or Kobe or I think it's Kobe. Kobe Pace from Clemson. That last game that he had against Wake Forest, you got to give him – he had 191 rushing yards, two rushing touchdowns in Clemson's upset win. Uh, DJ – and then I'm not going to try to pronounce that name. DJ, um, as usual, pretty pedestrian for Clemson, but uh, Pace pretty much allowed them to have a dimension that they didn't really have as much against Wake. Granted, Wake's defense also stinks, but it's a nice, refreshing thing to – have against Wake Forest. And like I said, upset win. Keep your stakes and a division title alive. Got to give props to them doing this on against a good Wake Forest team. You want to talk about Braylon? Dude's a fucking beast, man. Like, I I like I saw him like like this is a dude like I said I know I've said it many many times the dude's from my hometown and when a dude from your own hometown is is killing it it just makes you love the guy even more the dude had 200 yards over 200 yards he had three touchdowns he was bulldozing that Nebraska defense 10 yards a carry 10.4 yards a carry to be honest and it was just honestly spectacular just to see it in person at the camp and the sad part is he wasn't even Big Ten player. Uh, he wasn't big. He wasn't even Big Ten freshman of the week because of you know CJ Stroud, of course. I mean, but listen, man, there's got to be an asterisk on this man. Braylon Allen should still be in high school. Okay, he was supposed to be class of 2022. He class of 2021. He has a 4.0 GPA. He's 17 years old and he's 240 pounds. The dude's a fucking beast, man. Like, I don't know. How is I don't know how the big Big Ten voters are gonna have a tough time voting, you know, first team, second team, third team, because the Big Ten running backs have just been phenomenal this year. I am just super excited for this dude. And I just feel like he doesn't get enough media attention until you actually turn on the Wisconsin game. Then his name gets mentioned. I am just super excited for this dude for the future. Wasn't he not even the starter to begin the year? He was like Fifth string, yeah. St- starter was Chesma Lucy. Yeah. Part now, second yeah. string was second string was Jalen Berger. Uh, yeah, that's the nice way to put it. Isaac Garendo injured for the year, hurt his leg. Julius Davis, who is a third is a third year running back out of Menominee Falls, is he's playing now, so he, he's he's finally getting his touches. So he, going into the season, people didn't even think he was even going to be playing you know, playing for the season. Oh, and yeah, wasn't... and he's 17. He yes. is 17. Exactly. Ladies and gentlemen. And also the thing that's crazy is that he was originally recruited not even to be a running back. He was supposed to be a safety when he was at 200 pounds. He got to 240. Bang, they decided to put him at linebacker. Go enrolls in May, shows up to camp in August, and Paul Chris is like, yeah, we're going to turn you into a running back. Yeah, I mean, also, I'm just now realizing how are both of our teams just getting so unlucky with running backs this year? I mean, not for you, because you found Braylon Allen, but just with losing running backs, that's just weird. Your quarterbacks can't pass. Br- brutal sport. Yeah, and that's exactly it. I mean, the fact that – Screw Mike Sanford. 
Mike Sanders. I mean, it, it's, it's just kind of – I mean, like, there was obviously a point in the season where it was just like it's third and eight, and it's like you don't even feel comfortable grammar throwing past five yards. You'd rather just give it to a running back. That's just how it is. Yeah, I mean – I could go on a 10-year rant about Mike Sanford ruining Tanner Morgan, but I digress. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna give my flowers to Jordan Addison. You know, Jordan Addison, we we didn't really talk a ton about him. The dude had 14 receptions for 202 yards and four touchdowns. Four, one, two, three, four touchdowns against UVA in a game where Pitt won this game and they clinched their spot in the ACC championship. The, the number one play I want to talk about is the last touchdown he scored. Everybody was giving Kenny Pickett his flowers and do credit. Kenny Pickett's freaking amazing, but he underthrew that ball. That, that ball's a pick. Jordan Addison went over the DB, reached over him, it seemed like, and then he pulled it away and then ran into the end zone. That play is fully on Jordan Addison. Jordan Addison needs to be talked about more. He's one of the best wide receivers performing and playing in, in the nation this year, I feel we're not talking enough about him. We're kind of more leaning towards Kenny Pickett because it's such an amazing story. Kenny Pickett's been there forever, and now he's finally turning into this really great quarterback that he is, and we're not giving enough credit to the guys that are catching those balls, and I, I think Jordan Addison needs some more credit. Yeah, and I, I, was, listening to the, I was listening to the Pittsburgh game on the home broadcast for Pittsburgh because um, so I, I was had so many other games going. And to hear I had to hear the announcers describe that play because they were like, oh no, like you can hear in their voice, oh no, that's a pick. Oh no, he caught it. Oh no, he's gonna score. like, and then you go back and watch it. Like our just dis- Andrew's description and my description, like go watch it because our descriptions like don't even fulfill like how awesome that play was. Um, I'll jump real quick to our UTSA Roadrunners led by Frank Harris. Frank Harris. Tossing three touchdowns, 323 yards. But the biggest thing was, yeah, undefeated season, everything. But they're playing UAB at home, rocking Alamo Dome. UAB was at, uh, had only one loss in Conference USA. And if they would have beaten UTSA, I think they would have had the tiebreaker and then like all that other stuff. Yeah. Down, down four points. UTSA gets the ball back with 103 to go. My, my, my ESPN plus stream is whacking out i'm trying to refresh it and i'm able to watch frank harris lead his team down the field they get down to third and goal at the one drops the drops the shotgun snap is able to pick it up lobs it to the end zone for a touchdown not only like his performance like overall but just that final drive by frank harris and utsa like that was one of the coolest games of the year for me so like frank harris and utsa just just bravo guys well done Add one quick name to that. Sakari Franklin's a beast. He is so good. There's so many good wide receivers. Like every everyone, it seems like is talented in in the nation. Just Sakari Franklin. He had that one sick catch. Uh, I don't know if it was a touchdown. I can't remember on the left sideline, one handed. Uh, I couldn't tell because I I wasn't. I was watching and there just wasn't a broadcast or not a broadcast. There wasn't commentating. I was watching on mute. It, trust me, the day the audio was just horrendous. Everything about ESPN, it, it's bad. Was it worse than the what was it New Mexico State UTEP game week zero that that broadcast? I was gonna say Baylor Texas State level because that was bad. Oh, the, oh, that was bad. The announcer like kind of sounded like an off-brand coach. Oh, so 
Yes, that's what now, it was. See, in a weird way, that could work, but also not. They thought the game was over, and they didn't even kick the extra point yet. There was four seconds left. Like, that's how bad it was. Also, now I'm thinking of Kojo calling football games now that his coaching career is at where it is. Yeah. Uh, one thing I will say, um, UAB is full of cowards. You have to go for it on fourth and one. Don't take the delay game. Don't. Go for a fourth and one. You get it. You bleed the clock. Game's over. But nope. Play a game. Punt. UTSA wins it on death. Just coward. Coward decision making right there. You got to trust your offense on that one. It's, it's one yard. If You know that, that great saying, if you can't get one yard, you don't deserve to win. That's simple as that. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna gonna try and speed this last segment up. We're gonna go a little contender or pretender. This isn't contender for who's gonna win the playoff. This isn't contender for who's gonna make the playoff. This is just contender. Are they a contender? What's your definition of a contender? That's all subjective. Is it a good team? Is it someone who you think can do something with these last few weeks of the season? It's whatever. I, I just wanna know your opinion about these teams. We're gonna start off with a team that not a lot of people saw going into the season as where they would be Oklahoma state. Let's start with Doug. What's your opinion on Oklahoma state right now? Defense contender, offense pretender. Um, I'm sorry. I was just going to keep it short. Like, I don't think that they're going to do anything, make noise, but their defense is actually legitimately good. Like up there with constant Georgia in terms of being one of the best defenses in the country. Um, Give them credit for that offense. I don't think that they're worth anything worthwhile. I do think that you can you can slow them down. Like it's they're not really anything to write home about. Um, granted, they did put up sixty three against TCU I think two weeks ago, but TCU also is kind of a they're weird because they beat Baylor, but at the same time they also get turned out by um, everybody. So um, yeah, don't trust Oklahoma State offensively, defensively. Great, not a contender. Overall, Oklahoma State, what do you think? Uh, a little bit similar with Doug. I mean, truthfully, with their offense, it's literally just going to be running the ball. That's all you're going to do. I think their defense is going to go to the point where they could neutralize a very good offense. Um, I don't anticipate them making the playoff. If they were to make like a Fiesta Bowl or a Sugar Bowl, depending on how the, all that works out, I think they can neutralize a really good offense. Um, they'll if they were to win it, they'll win a close, nothing spectacular fashion. If they were to win one of those bowl games, we're just going to forget about it in a week. Josh, any, anything else to add or uh, all right. say differently? I know we're kind of keeping it short, so I'm just going to keep it short and then we'll move on. I have this Oklahoma State shirt, it's a highlighter. I have no idea why. Um, my friends got it for me. I'll just keep it short. I'll just say, you know what, contender. Moving on. Uh, I, I kind of agree with Doug, contender defense, pretender offense, but I think that their defense can kind of overshadow their offense at times in a good way. Uh, so I'll, I'll give them the contender for now. I want to see what they do against Oklahoma. Uh, next up, I, I, know, I know what Andrew's going to say, uh, the other one, uh, Cincinnati. Let's, let's just start with Andrew. What, what, are you, what are you saying? Well, I mean, I think you're going a little harsh already on, I mean, I'm not saying that they're a pretender. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that it's an unimpressive string of wins. I mean, I, I, I'm going to go ahead and just be honest with you. I'm not, I'm not going to answer this question because if, if you beat Houston, you're, you're a proven contender, you'll lose to Houston. You're a proven, sorry, you beat Houston, proven contender, lose to Houston, proven 
pretender. That's honestly it. What do you got? Sorry. So take my Oklahoma State copy paste. Uh, copy paste an answer, but I do think Cincinnati's more of a contender than they are. So put me a contender, but the reason be copy paste. Yeah, copy paste. That's literally it. See nothing wrong with that. I fully agree. What do you What do you got, Josh? I'll send Contender? Question mark. That may be the best answer I've ever heard. Uh, you know, I, I think we can just stop everything with Cincinnati right there. Let's let's go back. To, let's go Oklahoma. Let's go back to the Big Twelve. Uh, I'm going to start on this one. I'm going straight up pretender. I am not high on Caleb Williams at all. I don't think he's that good yet. He's a freshman. We can use the word yet. He's not that good yet. I don't think he's a very good thrower of the football. He's got electric running. I, I just don't think he's there for throwing the football yet. I'm, I'm going to go pretender on Oklahoma. Pretender, next person, go. Uh, I have no idea why. Oh, sorry. I have no idea why we're talking. No idea why we're talking about Oklahoma here. Pretender, don't even bring them up in the playoff conversation ever in history of the playoff. Next. Pretender, don't be surprised if Lincoln Riley does end up somewhere else after this year. Yeah, see, my only thing with that is why would Oklahoma, like, what would LSU provide to Oklahoma to Lincoln Riley that Oklahoma can't? Because I don't think that, that you can really say money because Oklahoma makes money. Like what, what would LSU provide that Oklahoma can't that Lincoln Riley would view as in some years, a defense SEC. I just think it's, well, a, again, I, mean, like, I, I, I know, I know about Oklahoma about to be joined the SEC. I mean, I think, I just think Baton Rouge is also a better culture than Norman is right now. Yeah. Uh, that's kind of really essentially it. I mean, would you rather spend think, a would you rather spend a week in Baton Rouge or just spend a week in Norman? I mean, I'd rather go to Baton Rouge, better food, better culture. Um, I think whenever I look at LSU, I just see a bit of a I'm not gonna say bigger brand, but I just think in terms of like the modern game, I just think they have a little bit more pull than Oklahoma does. That's just my honest take on it. I just think it's recruits. Like one of those stories, like I love to say, is like from Barton Simmons, who used to work at CBS Sports and now is uh, at Vandy as basically their GM. Um, LSU, you go to like the state championship game and everyone's either purple or gold or there's some kind of tigers. So even from an, even from an early age, like it's just in their head that you're going to get a lot of these awesome recruits from Louisiana. So I just think that just it's recruiting. It's all college football is like a lot of college football is recruiting. I think LSU, like the town you can get from there, the starting from there is just amazing. So, yeah, that's that's definitely a big part of it. I mean, I, go, let's just go to the, the next school. I feel like we can kind of have a similar uh, argument with Alabama. Uh, let's start with Josh on this one. Do you think they're a contender or pretender? Until I see them eliminated, I'm saying Alabama's a contender. Doug, are you gonna are you gonna go with, along with what you said earlier about Alabama? Just don't count them out until they're done. Yes. Ditto to what Josh said. That's literally it. Andrew, are you going to say anything different? Carbon copy, cut and, cut and paste, whatever you want to say. Yeah, that's it. I mean, never count out Alabama until they're actually out. I, I'm not going to count them out. I'm not going to say that they're, I, they're still a contender, but I don't think that this is the best Alabama team. I, I just think that this is an Alabama team that's more vulnerable than years past. 
I'm not going to count them out. I'm going to be more counted in on Georgia, though. That, that's what I'll say. I don't even know if you can use the term counted in. I don't know if that means anything, but it means something to me. Uh, so the last thing we're going to talk about is Notre Dame. Whether you want to talk about them possibly make the playoff or if you think they're good, uh, let's start on let's start with Andrew on this one. What do you what do you think about Notre Dame? Zero chance in hell that they're a contender for the playoff. They'll probably make a Fiesta Bowl. Once they make the Fiesta Bowl, they're going to get smacked pretender. Doug? Honestly, they're in a weird realm where they just exist. Like, we know that they're not a contender, but nobody thinks that they're a pretender because nobody has that kind of high expectations for them at any point of the season. So they're just, they just exist. They're just there. They're like, I'm trying to think of the most plain thing possible, but that's what Notre Dame is. They're upper level purgatory. That's what they are. Exactly. Josh, you got anything to add? Yeah. Are you done, Doug? They're not contenders or pretenders. They're frauds. I love their uniforms, but they're frauds. Continually frauds. I don't like Notre Dame. Get him out of here. Yeah, I don't think Notre Dame's that good of a team, but I think there is a world where they can make the playoff, which is sickening to hear. But and then they get smacked forty-two to seven in in the uh, semifinals to Georgia. (laughs) Easily, but if you think about it, if Alabama loses, which we've gone on that topic enough, then it's Georgia, Ohio State, or whatever Big Ten. If Michigan somehow wins, then it's. If, if Oklahoma State loses and Oklahoma is, in my opinion, a little far back in the rankings, is a is a one-loss Notre Dame getting in ahead of a one-loss Oklahoma when there's everybody else, which is two losses? Yes. I think so. I we're think not, we're, so. We're not, we're not going to like it, but yes. <laughs> the playoff committee likes shiny things. Notre Dame has the shiniest helmet in all of college football. They will see it and they'll just be blinded by it. And like squirrels to shiny things, they'll just pick Notre Dame. Wait, squirrels like shiny things? Yeah, squirrels like shiny things. I think so. Or am I confusing it? I don't know. Whatever animals like shiny things. I've never heard about squirrels liking shiny things. That's interesting to me. I don't know why, but it's interesting. Uh, I, I feel like that's all we need to talk about with Notre Dame. It's they're a weird team. They haven't played a super great schedule, but. I mean, the one team that they played, they lost. Uh, I think that about wraps it up for this review of the week. I know we got off topic a few times, but hopefully y'all still enjoyed. Uh, Unless someone else has anything to add, I think we're good to wrap this up. Real quick, if we're going based off of, I just want to say, because I really didn't talk about it much, Madison, Wisconsin, badass college town experience. Highly recommend it. And uh, watch out for that article soon. Yeah, I mean, I, I've been to Madison as a Minnesota fan. It is a nice city. It is a it is a nice college town. Uh, I'll, I'll always prefer Minneapolis, even though it's not a college town at all. But uh, I, I'll still take my my Minneapolis. Uh, Doug, Josh, you got anything to add, or are we good to take care of business right here, folks? We got two bowl eligible bowls this weekend. We got Florida, Florida State, and we got. Rutgers, Maryland. Like for my sake, Maryland should win, but 
I do think Rutgers is a better team. You hear how bad it is for Heisman. Yeah. I just I, I still can't even think about Maryland start didn't Maryland start like four and oh? They always do this, and then they stick against any sort of decent competition. I think our only conference wins so far have been Indiana and yes, you know, Indiana and no, 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 because we beat um, Illinois on a last second field goal. Oh yeah, wait. So did you start three and zero then? Because who am I thinking of? So I thought, or you all started three and one. I think. Yeah, it was. I can't was, Yeah. It was so uh, long ago. It's also Maryland. Yeah. No offense, but no, it's, no one cares about Maryland besides. No, I mean, I went there and I yeah. don't care enough. So, yeah, no, we started 4-0 and then we just lost everything since. So, that's yeah. how Indiana. So. Everybody beats Indiana. It's, it's Indiana. Yeah. What a, what a thing Indiana was. People had high expectations and they were about to go 2-10. and 10. I I knew from the jump that they were bad though. So I, I feel like we all had that feeling that they were kind of fluky, but two and ten. Injuries too, but yeah. Two and yeah, injuries. But at the same time, like two and ten. Do you got anything to add, Josh? I'm at Ariza for Heisman. Uh adios, y'all. He he is the best player. Like he, you can't name a player that's more dominant as a position than Matariza. Uh, that, that's going to end it for the Transfer Portal Podcast. Hope you all enjoyed. Make sure to follow everybody on their socials if you're watching the YouTube. Uh, click like and subscribe on the YouTube. Whatever uh, form of listening you're doing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, make sure you follow. You know, just do, do all that stuff. You, you know what I'm talking about. And yeah, hope you all have a great day.